Hello everyone and welcome to Macabre Masters and Macabre Pimstresses. That's right. Um, Elizabeth is back and she is uh, an official cast member now. Um, so please be respectful and refer to her as the Macabre Pimstress. Uh, she kind of runs this place. Um, so we, uh, we were wondering what our first uh, outing was going to be as the, the new cast and we sat down and decided to watch Midsummer. We already, if you are a fan of the Macabre Masters uh, before the Pimstress, uh, it well, we did an episode on Hereditary Ari Aster's 2017 movie. I forget when 2018 movie. Fantastic horror movie that uh, kind of messed me up for days. I'm not sure how. I know uh, for Pope it was <laughs> pretty messed up. Oh, I forgot to <laughs> forgot to say, hey. Pope is here, and I'm original Nick. <laughs> I'm usually not the one leading this, as you could tell. <laughs> Hello, Elizabeth. Hello, Nick. I'm glad to be here. You know, guys, the truth is, is uh, I um, I I've never been on a podcast before, so I don't know what to do here. So I'm really nervous. So that's why I've got the mic way too close to my face because I'm fucking nervous, and I'm just realizing this thing's really phallic. And I'm kind of into it, and I'm confused. Uh, so, I'm, of course, kidding. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Doing absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Super tired this morning. <laughs> I do want to qualify that my mic glows red. Um, and uh, when it's on, it's a HyperX quad. Uh, quad whatever, cast. And it does kind of look like a dog's dick. Um, look at it. It really kind of doesn't. Looks... Like, I have a dog, and he often walks around with a boner, and that's not what it looks like, I promise. It's not, like, radiating that ambient glow. Oh, my God. Oh, maybe my dog was just weird when I was oh growing gosh, up. radiation dog. <laughs> Hell yeah, right. radioactive fucking That's up there with the three-eyed fish on okay, the Simpsons, so... right? Hell yeah, dude, straight up. Straight up. Fucking Lake Springfield up in this piece. Um... So, all right, Nick, so we're going to talk about Midsommar. Now, um, I actually, uh, so normally when we do these podcasts, we kind of just get straight into it. But I actually, I thought about that this time. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go actually find uh, the kind of basic information so everybody can kind of get eased into, like, the analysis we're going to do. Elizabeth and I actually watched the last uh, portion of the movie, the last third, together earlier, uh, which was very sweet of her. She actually hung out and watched it with me. Because you were being um, a sissy. Because I was, I was being a sissy. I was being a weenie. I do not misrepresent myself on Macabre Masters. I am the Macabre Weenie. You're the pimpstress. <laughs> I'm the weenie. Nick, we, we'll figure out his name later. Does that um, make him anyway, the fluffer? Anyway, so... Uh, does it make him the what? The fluffer. The fluffer? I don't, I, don't know the, I don't know what a fluffer is. I'm scared. Dude, Nick, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Nick, you don't know what a fluffer is? No, is this some BDSM? Okay. Thing? I don't know what this is. Okay. Uh, it's no, not, no, no, no. actually. Okay. okay. So, okay. I'm going to let Elizabeth take this one. Please, please uh, take take our young friend's innocence right now. <laughs> He's like the, the, the go-between, right, to, like, help control arousal levels during filming and like movies and tv shows and stuff between actors like he's the guy that gets paid to help out with that oh my gosh what an interesting yeah. job to have so 
<laughs> so basically the idea is like you think that like porn actors like you think they like just walk around set like ultra hard the entire time but nah in between like camera angles and stuff shifting apparently there's somebody who takes care of business down there to keep them going uh until uh it's time for the next scene so now uh you guys you guys came here for midsummer and you left with information about the porn industry you're welcome five star review on apple thank you uh also five star review on Pornhub. appreciate it um with that episode right <laughs> guys the second episode where we've had porn in it we had the glistening. We talk about it. We talk about it a lot. I don't know. I don't know why that is. I don't think you guys we, are we fucking perverts. We didn't before, and then also we had the Maybe recording was like at ten o'clock at night Eastern, and now it's uh, two a.m. or what time is it right now? One fifty-eight a.m. in the Eastern. It's the witching hour somewhere. Um, with that said, um, so Midsummer. Ari Aster film, uh, as Nick said, he was uh, directed by the same dude who did Hereditary. Um, it came out in 2019. It's his second film. He's coming out with his third one this year. It's called Disappointment, Inc. And uh, the basic plot summary is that uh, there's uh, a couple, and they're kind of dysfunctional. Like, they're all fucked up. Like, it's not a very loving relationship. <laughs> and um, through a sequence of events, they uh, end up a, at a festival in Sweden at a commune. And uh, the commune turns out to be a cult, and uh, a bunch of shenanigans happens, and um, a lot of people probably already are aware. <laughs> shenanigans, yeah, that's the easy way to put it. A lot of people listening to this are probably aware of some of those shenanigans, um, because it's a very famous movie for some of its very graphic mm -hmm. imagery. Um, Ari Aster is not known for shying away from graphic imagery, and actually, when I was watching Midsummer. Uh, one of the first things was, because uh, the tone is completely different from Hereditary. I mean, Hereditary is very in your face. Midsummer is very subdued, and so like when um, there's a part in the, uh, and I shouldn't have to fucking say this, but spoilers. Um, there's a there's a part in the beginning or near the beginning where uh, two people they jump off of, uh, they do a ritualistic suicide in order to because they're just they're they've aged out of the commune so they do a ritualistic suicide. And so I wondered, I wondered if the camera was going to flinch and if it was going to look away. And it did not. It caught the entire thing from them jumping to them hitting the ground and they did not do it gracefully. No. Um the first one It was wasn't like graceful. in Batman when somebody falls. Huh? The lady was kind of graceful. The the old man. She was very graceful, but what wasn't graceful was her hitting the her hitting that rock and half her body disintegrated. Like it's fucked up, man. It's fucked up. But she did get the easy way out because that that guy had it. He got he had it bad. So so some of the themes of the film um are uh Ari Aster wrote it as uh it was a reaction to a breakup he had in his life and um it he considered it a breakup film um which we'll get into in a second and he um but also uh hereditary was a very deeply researched film uh mm -hmm. it was deeply researched on demonology although a lot of elements were exaggerated uh very much uh we discussed it on our podcast but basically the this evil intent of king paimon would be considered by the way 
Uh, Elizabeth corrected me on that. It is Paymon. Paymon. Payman. Payman. Um, yeah, that's why I'm saying it right now. I'm saying Paymon. Okay. So, Maybe that's um, why we've been having problems. That was pro- <laughs> said it wrong the whole time. Yeah, man. He, he, my I mean, I thought like about that actually. I hate it when while I was listening to the podcast episode, like, and I, you were telling me, you remember we were texting later, and you were like, everything kind of went wonky, and I was sitting there listening to it. And I'm like, and this is why you guys weren't even saying his name right. <laughs> Fair enough. I do want to say though that uh, humans named humans named all the demons um and so uh i don't know i don't know if i was but then again i don't know because i don't like when people mispronounce my name but a human named me my mom she gave me a terrible name devin uh you guys call me pope but my name is devin and that's a terrible name unless you're a female it's a great female name not a good male name anyway but that's okay uh that's why i'm in touch with my femininity and i am not afraid of it now with that said um Speaking actually of that exact subject, um, this movie has a very uh, highly feminist bent, bent, and it's a uh, very empowering when it comes to women. And throughout the movie, it's not just the main character who, um, you know, kind of goes through a self actualization, um, but it's actually all the females really are put in a place of well, maybe barring one or two. Um, but for the most part, most of the females are put in a place of power and it's pretty clear in their society that they have a serious place of power as well, uh, which is phenomenal. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of really terrible people out there who'd be like liberal SJW fucking, you know, but you know, like the thing is, is all of us who aren't stupid and not aren't virgin incels sitting in our basement we know that females have all the power anyway. That's just the way it is. So uh, deal with it. Um, so I've been talking for a while, but uh, what I would like you guys to... So that's kind of the basis of the movie. There's a lot more to it, but we'll get into that. But I want to get you guys' thoughts on the on the film. <laughs> um, I would you say visually it was a masterpiece. Honestly. Like, that was the big thing, is that there wasn't any part of the set any part of the scenery any part of the costume that wasn't used in some way to draw your attention or to direct your attention in some way um and like visually it just captures you like it like you were saying you wanted to see if the camera was going to shy away at the point in time where um the elderly people sacrificed themselves right um, but they used that in a way to set up and try to um, even justify like what was starting to happen as things started getting weirder and weirder at this festival. And, and they just used all of that. So I think the big thing is more than anything that was said in any of the dialogue in the whole movie, like the way he told the story, just using all of the visual um, structure and, and stuff like that was a great technique. And it really made a lot more impact than um if you were to see it visually and that's something that we had kind of discussed when we were watching it is what would it have been like you know if it had been done with more of an american kind of eye or through that american lens is how different would it have been um how would the people have looked or the costume and stuff like that what would the ending have looked like and we you compared it to hereditary and how it would have been different as well you know in in what would they have done versus not showing king paimon at all how would that have looked otherwise? And I think that that was one of the things that makes um, these movies stand out 
you know, is that it's t storytelling through visual stuff, not just through dialogue. And that's something that you don't get a lot in movies anymore. It's all people talking too much or bad writing. You know, there's a lot of movies lately that have just flopped because the writing was shit. And, and that is not the case in these movies. And specifically in Midsommar, he used so much visual art to um, beautify really ugly things. Yeah, I think that's something Nick. I was. <laughs> yeah. So that's something I think I could build on. And so, right at the very beginning of the movie, um, we see that our main character is going through something traumatic. Her her sister just killed herself with carbon monoxide poisoning from uh, uh, from a car exhaust, and then killed her parents too. So Danny's all of a sudden left by herself, but. I know I've brought this up so many times, but the accurate, uh, and this sounds really gross, but having a father-in-law who's a firefighter and a wife who is a firefighter's daughter and has seen dead bodies. And so what I want to go into is firefighting and, um, I see, I'm going to see the freshly dead bodies. Uh, we have someone else on the podcast here who deals with death in the later stages and makes them beautiful again. But what, what I'm going to see and what I have seen already through videos and through uh, some training and some pictures is like when you're a firefighter and that's this kind of scenes you roll up on is carbon monoxide. You think it's going to be like peaceful like the parents were, but really, and my father-in-law has told me when you get carbon monoxide poisoning, you pass out, but you start convulsing and vomiting. And it, it showed that it showed that it was like the sister, yeah, the sister did not die in a, yeah. A peaceful calm way she didn't just go to sleep she was convulsing vomiting and it shows the gross aftermath and i'm i'm really proud that ari aster has done his research from what i've read and what from what i've seen he's done a lot of research for this movie too he kind of researched um mid the midsummer uh simar um <clears throat> festival itself and then kind of built fiction around it but the accurate portrayal of firefighters was interesting to me at the very beginning. I'm always, uh, Pope can tell you every single episode since I want to be a firefighter. I failed my PAT the first time at the time of this recording, so I'm not firefighter yet. Uh, but I'll always shout out the firefighters. <laughs> um, so while so, uh... I agree with you on that, they did a really good job of portraying <laughs> that. But then at the end of the movie. I had some critique in the way that they did the fire scene at the end. And I, yeah. I feel the same way about every movie that has a fire where people are like in a burning building and dying because there's no screaming once the building is that on fire, like the air is so hot. Yeah. You're not going to be able to produce that. Your lungs have shriveled and disintegrated and melted by that point. And they never, ever show that like in the movies and it's for drama you know to to make it yeah. more impactful yeah, drama, or whatever but sexy. it makes me mad every single time <laughs> because it's not authentic at all well my understanding of the what happens in a fire is you got a fat lady with rolls in her hair you know the rolls like the rolls that you use to curl yeah. them or whatever and she says and this is a direct quote by the way this is my complete understanding she says save my baby Save my elephant. <laughs> Save me. Right? Anybody catch that reference? Because that no. is definitely a fucking that. awesome reference. No. Watch out, man. Here come them fire dogs. Ren and Stimpy, boy. 90s, oh, baby. What? <laughs> That's the fire dogs episode when they painted themselves like fucking Dalmatians. 
Yeah, they were down on the bottom and they were going around with the thing. And there's the lady. She's like, save my elephant. The, the elephant literally comes down. Like, Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she was in an apartment, too. You got to wonder how she fit that fucking elephant in that apartment. <laughs> but um, one thing that I actually uh, I didn't finish my thought earlier and I do want to say is um, uh, connecting to what Nick said. Is that um so in in hereditary uh, as I mentioned they really exaggerated any um I guess malevolent intent from any demon mm-hmm. uh if you know anything about demonology you know that it's um that demons are not inherently malevolent beings by our understanding of them and so they so Ariaster just like took that took that perception and kind of cranked it up to eleven. It's the same thing with Swedish culture and the idea of a midsummer festival in the first place. And this is uh, something that actually Elizabeth pointed out on our call earlier, so I cannot take full credit for the thought. But um, it was the idea cranked up to 11 and then uh, embellished very, very much. So it's not like you're going to go to Sweden um, and, and run into a situation exactly like this. No. It was cranked up for drama. And uh, she actually pointed out to me that uh, Ari Aster, in a lot of situations, tried to find historical precedent. Mm-hmm. A lot like uh, in Jurassic Park, they tried to find dinosaurs that matched the raptors, for example, which was Utah raptor, fun thing. Um, but uh, the dress, the dress that she wore at the end, I guess Elizabeth informed me that there was no historical precedent for it. And I'm just going to say it, there should be, because it was gorgeous. It was so cool, man. She looked like a... She looked like a like a princess toadstool or something like fucking rolling around on that sucker. And then at the end, <laughs> but, um, so one of the big themes throughout the movie was, uh, was, uh, was actually, so one thing I told you guys earlier in the chat was that I, I just find the movie just so disconcerting and hard to watch. I actually watched it in different blocks because I couldn't sit down and watch it the whole time. Because there's a lot of awkwardness. Like, it's like, um, if you're, like, paying attention and you're, like, kind of empathetic, like, um, the the boyfriend, Christian, is just, like, so fucking insanely douchey. In fact, I think that's, like, really one of only the missteps on it was because most good villains, if you could call him the villain, most good villains have some kind of redeemable quality, and he really yeah. did not. Yeah. Uh, he was just a douche. Um, but then the Swedish friend, like, trying to make moves on old girl was really creepy and just, like, gross and just, like, icky. And then, um, it is, I don't know, man, that movie was just so full of ickiness and it was just, like, uncomfortable. Like, it made me physically uncomfortable to watch. And part of me is like, oh, man, well, that fucking sucks. But the other part of me is like, that's genius. You know what I mean? It takes, like, because the thing is, is what's the point of any art but to evoke emotions? And then the question only becomes what emotion? And if mm-hmm. the emotion in question here is incredible discomfort, then it's... Um, but that was just how I felt. Um, I know Elizabeth felt like it was... Uh, felt differently about it. It um, wasn't... It's not so differently I w- I so much, just think more... You should tell me about that. It wasn't differently so much, just more in depth, right? Like, so you get this girl who's just an average college girl, just like any other 19 or 20 year old. They're getting ready to graduate, right? So they're probably like 21, 22, somewhere in there. And she has a shit family life. Like, she's been taking care of her sister probably for most of her life because her sister has mental illness issues and stuff. Um, 
she's got a douchey boyfriend. I think you referred to him as the Dollar General Chris Pratt earlier. <laughs> that was funny. That That's better. Uh, I said Kmart Chris Pratt. <laughs> Jason said Wish Chris Pratt because Chris Pratt is the Dollar General <laughs> yeah, Chris no. Pratt. But that's a whole other story <laughs> um so but she's got this douchey boyfriend yeah. right she's under all this stress and she goes on this trip and she does not have very much confidence in herself already and then she sees this entirely different view on how women are treated and stuff like that but like as a woman a lot of those same things are what the average woman goes through the grooming behavior that Pele displayed while he was trying to manipulate her and hit on her. Um, the, the douchey boyfriend, the stress of school and family and trying to be there for other people and not knowing how to be there for yourself. And that's something that you commented on earlier was her really coming into her own by the end of the movie. Right. And actually having this feeling that she actually kind of knows who she is, or she has found some sort of connection to something beyond her family or her boyfriend or all of these things that people expect of her and that was really huge from the feminine perspective like in that there was some vindication finally she did get to get some identity for herself and I think that was really important in the way they displayed that because like you said it is uncomfortable but that is a lot of women's everyday life is dealing with those kinds of issues especially in relationships or at work when you're dealing with people like Pele who are constantly trying to manipulate you or gaslight you or take advantage of a situation. And to hear that it made you uncomfortable from my perspective tells me that you got to feel what it's like to kind of see that from a different perspective other than a white man living in America, right? Like, so it's good that it did that. And it brings a lot of other things to the table and conversation besides just the scary and horror aspect of it. Like you said, it is scary by implication because you know what those implications are from those people and what it is they are trying to tell you that person is, is doing, how they're manipulating the situation that maybe you wouldn't have thought of otherwise, you know? So Nick, uh, as a little background, um, Elizabeth and I were talking about mm-hmm. it and um, I told her that movies like Hereditary, The Lighthouse, The Witch... And this one um, are actually American Psycho, I think. Well, no, maybe. But uh, I haven't seen it, so I can't quant- I can't really quantify it that well. But um, is they're, they're more scary by implication, mm-hmm. um, meaning like that the, uh, the ideas behind it are actually in a lot of cases more scary than what's actually on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Hereditary was amazing at that. And that actually stemmed from a conversation about how the fact the Midsummer was actually not very well received by audiences. Critics really liked it, but audiences didn't receive it that well. Hmm. And so the idea is, well, why? And it's like, well, if you're used to like Avengers, and I hate to say it, but it is true, like Jurassic Park movies after the first one, and like these kind of like super easy, dumb movies that you don't have to think about. And then you get this one, which has like f- like four or five different subplots running through it. Yeah, forces and all you of them have too. implications that are crazy. I think people just don't like to reflect like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, I can see. So two things. Uh, I watched this with my wife, and um, not to go into her past, but she was like, "Okay, I can really relate to this character uh, because of past things. <clears throat> Nothing on the extreme like that." I'm. I should, 
as far as I know, my wife didn't burn her uh, ex-boyfriend or something. No. Um, but another thing is, and I, I, I'm, I'm afraid to bring this up, but one time, uh, actually a few weeks ago, I posed as a woman on Twitter. <laughs> didn't tell anyone. I just shut up, set up an account and told everyone that I was actually a girl. I said I was an 18-year-old girl. And I wanted to see what it's like being in the mind of an 18, 19-year-old girl. And what I tell you, it was awful. I, I have so much respect for women now. Well, I already did. But it's it was extremely disconcerting just from tweeting out, hey, everyone, how's it going? And the amount of dick pics I saw, ridiculous. I was like, I didn't even say anything to you. They're like, hey, baby, how's it going? How you doing? How you doing? I'm like, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. It's just what it's like being a woman uh, in this day and age, being 18, 19 uh deleted that account thank goodness because i can't handle it uh my phone stays silent no one really talks to me but in that moment for that one one weekish, i was like good lord <laughs> this is awful um and yeah i i i cannot stand uh her boyfriend in the movie he uh from the vibe i got is he only stuck with her just because her sister and parents died he he already was kind of like catching a fling for uh maya um and he it seemed like he didn't really care um <clears throat> he i think he kind of caught a vibe that uh his friend was kind of hitting on her uh, uh hitting on our main character so i can i can see i i don't have the full perspective i didn't grow up uh, a girl i didn't grow up a woman i was never groomed because uh, i know males can be groomed too i was never groomed and i never groomed anybody so i don't have uh, a connection to that and I've always I've told Sarah that like three times she's like well yeah I hope you've never groomed anybody uh, but so I, I have a slight connection to it I'm not going to claim that I'm the the master of everything that I I'm not a macabre master of that sort of thing but I, I I'm a little more in touch with it I think the thing that I'm more in touch with was the religious aspect of it you know in a lot of movies nowadays i like to say religion is not the answer religion is not the answer religion is not the answer and our world today says that too but i believe and something that i picked up in the movie is for danny religion was the answer you know something something she needed and sarah and i even talked about kind of the implications of how susceptible she was to the society whether it was um kind of forced upon her but either way we felt that for her this was something that she needed uh, in her life that's something that that's my roundup of like 12 different things at once that we just talked about i don't think you're wrong at all like but i wouldn't say in this case that it was necessarily religion i think it was well, yeah, a spiritual perspective is, absolutely yeah. but i don't know if religion because they they weren't particularly True. religious necessarily like they yeah. did have a deity that they never really named or or whatnot they they yeah. described they it whenever to, they spoke about it kind of shoehorned in the the norse mythology with uh i don't know if you noticed they all had nordic runes and so absolutely the, the elder Futhark and the younger Futhark. yeah you got um so there is a scene there's a spoiler scene where uh christian is under the influence of mushroom tea, but he'd already been hitting on Maya the whole time, kind of, and not paying attention to Danny. And he gets drugged and then has sex with Maya. Okay. So before that, 
you know, they're all in their American t-shirt and pants, but he gets put into a robe and she gets put into a robe, uh, Danny does eventually. But uh, something I noticed, and I watched a video on it, was he has the symbol of Tyr, uh, the Norse god. Um, and he's, at the end of the movie, he's wrapped in a bear suit. So that's like masculine, fertility, virile. Uh, so they, they tried to, he kind of shoehorned in Norse mythology and some of the uh, some of the plot or some of the uh, implications of that. And then he swears that that love ritual was like something he actually read, but historians are like, I don't, I don't know what that is with the pubic hair and the menstrual blood. <laughs> sure. The other thing, like they yeah. did the ritual um, where Danny was doing the dance after she's been crowned. Right. Mm. And they're holding the torch and they're doing the dance and they put the meat and the grain and the egg. Those are all um, off common pagan symbolism for fertility and mm. things as well. Um, and then the maypole is huge in um, like yeah. Scandinavian and uh, like um, United Kingdom based religions, uh, Celtic Druidism, things like that. And so there was a lot, a lot of pagan symbolism um, that isn't even just strictly Scandinavian or Norse, but spreads across a wide variety of cultures too, which I thought was interesting because they were really important parts of the movie that actually added a lot of depth. They weren't just thrown in for the sake of drama either. Like they had some um kind of key points one of the things i wanted to do was look up kind of where different runes were placed in the movie mm -hmm. and, and like what they represent and why because i think just seeing what we've seen in the director um in hereditary and stuff that uh he doesn't do those things by accident at all like i i feel like that's something that i would be interesting to figure out why he chose the different ones that he did when he did the one I was wondering about was uh the redhead, um the redhead girl, when she came out of that room and there was the symbol on the door. I was curious about that particular symbol and what that was. Um, I didn't look it up, so I don't know. But somebody want to drop a comment on Apple Podcasts and let me know. Uh, attached to a five star review. Thank you. I uh, educate me. Um, one scene, actually, speaking of that girl that I actually do want to talk about, because uh, Wikipedia is interesting. I'm, I actually, I'm on Wikipedia right now. And um, I have two things of note. And the first one is that, so there's a sex scene in the movie. And uh, the way it works is they drug the boyfriend Christian, uh, Wish Chris Pratt, they drug him. And uh, the redhead uh, I forget her name off the top of my head. What was her name? I don't want to just keep calling her the it's red. It's Maya head. with a J. Oh, Maya. Okay, cool. So Maya had been giving him like eyes the entire time. Uh, in their culture, or whatever, it's uh the elders have to approve a coupling. This guy had never really reciprocated, but he had kind of like gave her like he noticed and like he wasn't exactly like as far as I could tell like opposed to the like anything like directly. Mm -hmm. But he never directly reciprocated. Anyway, they drugged him, and then they took him into this big wooden uh, shack thing, and she was laying there naked. They got it on, and um, there was a bunch of people around them, uh, a bunch of naked women of all shapes, sizes, ages, and everything else. And it was an interesting and very just uh, interesting scene. But um, I so Wikipedia said that he was raped. Because he was drugged before. And I think that's a fair assessment, but I also, I wonder if he would have done it anyway, even if he wasn't drugged. And I feel like 
he would have. But I don't know. I want to get you guys' opinion on it. Sure. I would agree I with think... Wikipedia in that regard. Well, while I think in the context of the actions that they took, I believe that he was under the influence and did take actions that he might not have in that exact moment. Um, I do believe that he was assaulted, yes, because of the drugs, but not, not but. And including, I do believe that he would have done it as well because when he's in the shack with Siv, I think that's her name, is the old lady who's kind of like the elder of the society, it seems kind of. Um, there's like a, a talk that we don't get to see. She's like, your astrological signs oh, yeah. are... Wait, what's that? I said, oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, I, I was remembering so that scene. there is a scene where she's like, your astrological signs are... are your, it's an astrological alignment. We are approving this mating. And then it kind of cuts. And I think... I believe that he probably would have. He was already going to try and break up with my uh, with uh, Danny, sort of. He kept hanging on to her, and like he kept going back and forth of if he was going to leave her or not. And I think this girl in Sweden would have been his the final the final thing. So while I think he was raped in the con in the context of the drugs, I also do believe that he would have done it himself without the influence because he was already kind of there. Um. Yeah, that's that's my take I, on it. <laughs> I would absolutely agree. I feel like um even beyond just whether he would have done it with or without the drugs, um even goes into back to kind of the spirituality point that you made, and like they go there looking at it from a sort of anthropological perspective right so to some degree if you were studying this sort of thing in school and you had the opportunity mm -hmm. to take part in this like and this is something that you had been passionate about it, it's almost like um kind of it was a, a weapon he didn't really have a choice even from that perspective like so because there's definitely times where even before it got to that point where he questioned whether or not he was going to take part in different rituals or different things throughout the film um, like when they're eating and all of a sudden, like they're kind of uncomfortable eating the pie, they find the hair in the pie, other things like that Um, after the, the two people had thrown themselves off the cliff. Right. So the question is, is did he feel pressure just because of the awkwardness of the situation and and where he was in that he had to do it? Like, and that's something that a rape victim would consider. Right. Like, is it better to do this than what the alternatives could be, which I think even more so emphasizes that, yes, that was an assault but also like um it, it's really hard to tell like what kind of perspective he would have had just from where all of the different like you were saying earlier layers uh, you know of drama and, and dynamic issues happening between all of these different people internally and between their relationships with each other him and his friend fighting over who's going to write this paper obviously it's something that they had been working on for a long time so there's a lot of different points where like why would you say no at the start you're trying to understand this other culture and then eventually like you become scared to say no right so the the reason i bring it up is because i think the common perception of the end of the movie is uh because okay so so you guys know the end of the movie what happens is they uh the culture has uh they have a dance off i mean for lack of a better term and the person who uh the person who stays up the longest is uh crowned the may queen it's only females doing it and they're crowned the may queen and so there's 
uh, either by design or by accident. Um, Danny, the main character, she is crowned the May Queen. And uh, it all comes out that they like are doing ritualistic sacrifices. And there's a number of them that have to be done. And she's given the option to sacrifice her boyfriend, who uh, she saw, she actually saw in the middle of uh, that particular ritual with, um, with that woman, Maya. So uh, she said yes. Uh, she had to approve it, and she said yes because she was the May Queen. And uh, he was killed uh, in a fire, right? He was killed in a fire ritualistically. Um, which, by the way, if you guys watch it for no other reason, that ritualistic fire, although there is that point that uh, irks Elizabeth a little bit, uh, it is a very beautifully set up scene. It is very it is. cool and uh, definitely worth seeing. With that said, um, it's commonly perceived that she did the right thing. It was a breakup, essentially, and that she had every right to make that call on him uh, for not only being a dick throughout their relationship. Four years of relationship, he's a dick. He forgot her birthday, all that other stuff. He's a total dick. But for the, for the, for the act of cheating on her, however, if he was, if he was, he was drugged, that's fact, and if it, we could consider it rape, then might have to question whether Danny was justified in sending this guy to his death over a situation he had little to no control over. Sure, was she committing murder at that point? Exactly, and so so the thing is, is legally, um, I think it's like uh, it's like second degree murder or third degree murder or something. It's uh, murder that you didn't directly do with your hand, like yourself, but you played an integral role in it. It's why Charles Manson went to jail for life. Um, she would probably be guilty of that, but just from a from a legal standpoint. But there's a lot of stuff that happens that's super illegal in that in that movie. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is from a moral standpoint, from the standpoint of the audience. Because I think by the end of the movie, all of us are kind of like okay, you know what? Like, good for you. Like, get away from this toxic douchebag. But if you take a step back from it, the anthropological argument and the, and the idea of him being drugged and how much choice did he really have, and that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, she might just be a murderer. <laughs> like, a flat-out wrong murderer. And, um, I mean, the distinction is it's very thin, I think anybody would argue that he deserves something bad to happen to him, but getting stuffed into a bear corpse and burned alive while paralyzed because of drugs, I don't know. That might be a little extreme for somebody. It's not like he's beating the shit out of her or anything. You know what I mean? He's just psychologically, well, not just psychologically abusive, but uh, I mean, that's a really bad thing to be. But uh, he was, you know, he's a scumbag, but I don't know if that's worthy of that. Because me, my read on it was that he wanted to do it the whole time. He finally got the opportunity. The drugs just helped the process along. And he was into it. And he was a toxic douchebag the entire time. And so he got, um, you know, the Scandinavian version of justice. You know what I mean? But I don't know. That kind of That's kind of an interesting question. I mean, I agree. I understand. In it's an interesting way to think. Part of it to think about, too. Like, who really is the bad guy in this movie like there really isn't one kind of everybody is a piece of shit ultimately like at the end of it you know there really is no 
particular villain and you you can empathize with different bad guys and you can hate your different bad guys but like who really actually like there was no particular standout person you know like i hated pelly he was the guy who caught them brought them to the commune in the first place right and then he started doing all these creepy predatory kind of sticky icky behaviors that are highly inappropriate you know and it was obvious like he was blatant and brazen about it um so and then you've got these elders who are obviously very aware of what's happening and they've got their own sort of creepy level of nefarious malevolence right where they're like lurking and they're like no you can't take any pictures or no you can't write any of this down you know you were here to experience this but you can't document any of it um and it just starts out like where everybody kind of gives you the creeps and makes you uncomfortable um and by the end um and Florence Pugh did a great job like a great job of of developing the character over time right like by the end she's got that maniacal like proud smile that they end the movie with and you just how how do you you justify that because really ultimately you're right if we consider what christian went through as rape and and that he was not able to consent legally then what she did in fact is murder and where do we justify it you know and how do you justify with yourself like empathizing with her and and feeling okay about that and deciding that he actually deserved it you know it makes you question a lot of things and think about a lot of different stuff when you look at it from that perspective i think i think there's a slight plot hole actually in the movie so um the i was just thinking about it when you mentioned the documentation thing so here's the deal, right? Uh, they said at the end that what happened was um, Pele and uh, the other person who brought in a British couple who died earlier in the movie, uh, they basically brought sacrifices from the outside. And um, so they did their duty for the commune. But here's the thing. If they were always intended to be sacrifices, then why would they have said anything about documentation? Because it wouldn't matter because it would... I mean it would die with them you know what i mean um i don't I think, know i just i, I was think maybe they're like playing along with it to try and get you to like because we know he's an anthropological uh, an anthropology major and then christian or christian's just kind of a doofus siphoning off of josh um i think they were just like yeah you can write it down just don't you know use the name and don't use our people and don't use the location I think they knew that they were going to kill him anyway, so maybe they were just letting him get get along a little bit until they were ready to be sacrificed. That's that's my guess on it. So the that's what I'm saying. If they always knew that they were going to die, they would they would just be like, do whatever you want. Who cares? So the other side of that is is this is technological age. Every picture you take goes to at least one cloud, right? Every note that you take on your phone gets saved to at least one off of a device place so i think part of it absolutely i mean these people were obviously aware enough of the outside world to bring people in you know so that being said like i can see why from their perspective they don't want pictures taken or why they don't want certain things done um because those things are automatically sent elsewhere it's not a tangible piece of paper that you can burn or shred or something like that so i can kind of see um looking at it from like the technology age I kind of think they explained it though. I thought Christian tried to look up the uh, 
the one uh, ritual where they jump off the rock. I thought he tried to look it up, but it was like there was no signal. signal. Yeah, maybe. he didn't get a signal. But uh, that might not have been due to them. Mm-hmm. Um, or like any, I mean, these guys were they were not technologically advanced, so yeah. like having internet jamming probably wasn't something that they could do it probably was just a result of the fact that they were in sweden and didn't have an international data plan but maybe (laughs) there's no way really for the elders to know that you know what i mean like (laughs) if they know the intricacies of where verizon has satellites you know what i mean like i don't know i okay so uh all right so here's the deal um nick i actually want to tell you something um this movie has another connection with you my friend that uh, I just saw on Wikipedia and I thought you might find it interesting. Uh, and then after that, we'll kind of gather the thoughts and kind of wrap this up and get it going. All right, because this Easter Sunday tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, um, in April 2020, A24 announced, uh, this is quoted from Wikipedia, in April 2020, A24, uh, who's the production company behind this movie, um, announced it would be auctioning off props from uh, its films and ter- television series, including stuff from um, this movie. So uh, the 10,000 silk flower May Queen dress uh, from the end was purchased for $65,000. Uh, other items from the film that sold at auction were the bear headdress um, that he burned in at the end, the mallet used to crush uh, the cult member's skull for 10000 and then the villager costume sold for $4,500. Now, here's the thing. So all that stuff was auctioned off. Really relatively, I mean, affordable. I mean, honestly, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just saying. I would think it would go for more. However, um, all the proceeds from the Midsummer collection raised over $100,000 for the FDNY Foundation, the Fire Department of New mm-hmm. York Foundation. So I wonder if the part with the um, with the parents when it showed the death, uh, it was firefighters, uh, as Nick mentioned earlier, who found them, and it kind of showed that scene. I wonder if they were actually people from the FDNY that came mm. in, and uh, they were real firefighters, and they did that scene. I think that would be very interesting. I'll have to check out the uniforms but, uh, again and do some research on that one aspect for that, for that one scene. But I think, I, think, I think it's really cool that this movie actually has a tie with firefighters. Um, so yeah, FDNY got a hundred thousand dollars as a result of this movie's popularity, which is really cool because, uh, our homies at the FDNY are heroes. I mean, God, look at September 11th, total gangsters. Not only that, but what they do every day, word up, word up FDNY. And I'm not just saying that because of rescue me, which was still a fabulous (laughs) show and Dennis Larry kicks ass, but still, um, with that said, uh, so we've talked about a lot tonight. We've talked about the ethicality of drugged sex. We've talked about toxic relationships and how they work. We've talked about horror by implication. We've brought up King Paimon and pornography more times than we probably meant to before we started. Now all we need is King Paimon pornography. Uh, somebody get on that. I won't look at it. Don't tag me but, in. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, sending seriously. it all to you, I promise. Uh, <laughs> um and so yeah, so uh Nick, I told I told Elizabeth earlier, I was like uh, one of the reasons uh she mentioned it, but one of the reasons that is scary 
is because at Hereditary, they never showed Paimon. And I was like, but if they did, he'd probably have looked like Dave Grohl in The Pick of Destiny, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm the devil, I love metal, you know? So that was one of the things that made it scary, um, is not showing the actual villain, so it's genius. But what I wanted to do was, uh, we talked about a lot, and the movie's obviously very, very uh, interesting. And um, has a lot of really interesting themes. There's a lot to think about. And so my question for you two is, A, do you recommend it to other people to watch? And B, what was your takeaway? Did you like it? Um, did you think it was a good movie, a bad movie? Would you watch it again? Uh, just kind of your overall thoughts for our listeners, like if they should you know, invest the time and energy and money into checking it out. Let's start with Nick. Okay. Um <clears throat> I think I would recommend it to other people. Uh I always recommend uh, see here's the thing about uh, original Nick here. I am the 99% like if you show me Spider-Man showing up in Moon Knight, I'm going to be happy. Like I am that guy who like just likes stuff <clears throat> coming out. Like I just like stuff coming out. So I always recommend everyone to watch everything even if it is bad or trashy or you know critically acclaimed or you know, awful. I just say, just, I don't know, just watch stuff. I mean, there's only a finite amount of time in your life, so why not just watch it? Even if you think you wasted time, I mean, I don't know, just watch a movie. I think um, <clears throat> my main takeaway was I think absolutely nobody in the movie was good. Uh, we didn't talk about uh, Connie and Simon, but I didn't like them either. I think, you know, people are like, maybe they're not that bad, but what they said was... Um, it says something about, uh, you know, coming in and being kind of rude. This sounds really weird, like I'm taking the side of the, the cult here, but they were kind of rude to um, the 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 members when the people jumped. Uh, Christian was kind of whatever about it. He had his own problems. But Josh, uh, like, knew. He even wasn't going to tell Christian that he knew what this if thing was. So Josh wanted to see it. Connie and Simon were like, rude about it like one time this uh, i had a wait high school... whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. I, sorry to interrupt you but hold the fuck on but wait you go to a commune well, out in thing. sweden and some motherfuckers jump off a cliff and die a terrible horrible graphic death yeah. and you're just gonna stand there and be like yep that makes total well, sense I, you're from the western I, world my well, that's dude. the thing that's the thing see and that wasn't that's what i was about to get to there i had a teacher who asked me one time like if the culture itself doesn't affect you directly. Like if it doesn't affect you, who are you to really do anything about it? Like, yes, there are cannibalistic tribes, but are they actively affecting you? Does it affect your way of life when they're in a totally different country? Like cannibalism in America, that's ridiculous. You know, if someone jumps off a cliff here in America, that's ridiculous. But for them, it's just a way of life. It's just, it's just something they do. And then, I don't know. So, like, to be fair to Connie and uh, Simon, uh, it did end up affecting them quite a bit. We didn't talk about them really. But, but like, you're not going to uh, see they, these cultists go died. to the UK, and they're not going to be doing that in front of people. Like, if if this was in front of a crowd of unsuspecting, like a full crowd of just like kids and children and elderly, and then just two people just jump off, I think maybe yes, it not maybe it'd be yes, it'd be horrifying. I think, but in the setting that it was, 
the that one guy that brought them was the asshole who didn't was like, hey, something big's gonna happen. There's two people who are gonna do something crazy. And I need you to be prepared. So he was uh, Ing uh, Ingmar was kind of a dick for that, or was a dick for that, and like, but then also like, I don't know if I see. I don't want to go to another culture now because then they're gonna be like, you said, you said. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When people start committing ritualistic suicide around you, like no. Okay, so I want to be clear on this. I um, and this actually is an interesting conversation, also as well that like is worth having, which is um ties in actually with you know other projects that are happening and working on being worked on right now, but actually is the uh, historical precedent of people once they reach a certain age, uh, being put out to pasture. Um, usually obviously not in quite such a violent fashion as was done in this movie, but like we said, everything was pretty much exaggerated, pretty hardcore. Um, and so like, uh, the morality of that, you know, and I think we pretty much all can agree that if a culture, that's what a culture does, then that's what a culture does. However, I think that it's really, really easy to sit in your living room having never seen something like that in real life and be like, oh, yeah, I'd be completely fucking chill. Like, okay, yeah. like, you know, guys, like, yeah, go ahead and jump off this thing and have your body splatter against a big rock. But I think, like, honestly, like, if you're not ready for it yeah. and you don't know about it, you'd react exactly like that dude did. I think because so. then, like the thing is, that one woman did it. He flips out, and then they know that the second guy's yeah. gonna do it. Well, I mean, the, the elder, like, like it translated at the bottom, was like, "Did you not warn them?" Like the elder thought, "Hey, yo, did you not tell these two people that this is what's about to happen?" Even with the warning, I suppose. Yeah, if you like a Matt, put yourself in his shoes. Like if you went to that commune and somebody said, "Hey, by the way, tomorrow uh, these two people are going to seriously jump off this big cliff and kill they, themselves." They had the option not to in go. In front though. of everybody, they did have the option not to go because Mark went to go take a nap. So like, I don't know. He was the lucky one. So I think one. they they had the option not to go. I think Ingmar was the bad guy in that situation because he didn't warn them and didn't like fully tell them. And then the elder was like, "Did you not tell them?" So I think the implication was you needed to tell them, and because I mean they could have missed it. I don't know. Now nah, I sound like the bad guy again. I also, <laughs> I also want to point out that culture mm -hmm. is a very touchy thing, and it's a very difficult thing. I think and so. It's it's hard coming I, from America. And <laughs> and so, like, I I'll give you a great example. Actually, um, there's a lot of cultures, especially uh, in the Middle East, and uh, in other places, and ancient cultures that, for example, pederasty, is is always been a huge thing throughout world history. Really, modern Western uh, areas have kind of made it the uh the really reviled thing that it is today but throughout history it was always kind of something that was a norm a cultural norm uh for those of you who don't know pederasty is uh older men and young boys right so that's what that is and um and so like that's like saying okay if you go to one of those cultures and you see something like that like it's like okay that's their culture like i think that there's some stuff like that you're just like always gonna be like, I'm not down with this. Like yeah. I'm not cool with this. Like culture be good goddamned. On the other hand, once again, euthanasia. There's a lot to be said about euthanasia and you know, uh people choosing when is their time to go, which uh overall, um, you know, is a in my opinion is a positive. But 
you know, maybe just, I don't know, maybe not in that way. I don't know. Like, if they want to, though, and they like the idea of doing it. But they were, like, really sad at the end. I don't know. What do you think, Elizabeth? You're smarter on this stuff. <laughs> so I actually really want to touch kind of on something that Nick said um, a little bit ago and the, the idea that they were offensive to their hosts. So that's a really big theme um, in Norse Scandinavian culture is the, the the laws of hospitality, a lot like in old Greek culture, right? And so the idea that they weren't prepared for it and that they reacted the way they did, I think honestly changed the tone and you see a shift in how the commune are receiving these people and kind of why it justifies for them that they deserve to be sacrificed kind of and while i do agree with your perspective on it like that is something that definitely they touched on throughout the movie and like we said we brought up um kind of some of the traditional norse culture stuff and that's a really big deal in that particular belief system is how you treat people who are showing you hospitality and how you as a host treat the people you you are providing for and so it, it was kind of cool that they noted on that the way that they did um and how it kind of created a small shift at the very beginning third of the way into the movie right and how it changed the tone of everybody's time there it wasn't just um the suicide itself but like how that whole interaction took place in general said a lot about what was getting ready to start happening and where things were going to start getting weirder just like at the maypole with the dance-off right we see a huge shift taking place in that point in time to what is about to happen to these other hugely powerful scenes that follow up to leading to the end of the movie um so i think that that's really interesting um as far as euthanasia goes like i am absolutely pro people dying with dignity um, however that looks for you. Um, Canada recently actually passed a law saying that um, uh, medically assisted suicide and euthanasia is going to be legal for people with severe mental health illness. So people with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, um, autism is even on the list, things like that. If you have lived and struggled for so long, right, that you are ready to be done, like Canada's actually made it legal to take those steps and get the evaluations for that. So, and I think um, something we touched on earlier when we were talking, Pope, was that um, there are kind of places throughout culture and religion across the planet where people who are ready to volunteer to go right no matter how old they are like they have a place in different rituals as sacrifices or different things like that um and uh, we often see people with mental illness being um more revered in other cultures as people who are closer to spirit or to god or to connection with the earth and things like that so i think that the, it's kind of something that they sort of alluded to but didn't actually touch on but they did do a lot with the Norse mythology and symbolism and stuff like that so I think it has some relativity to that and the idea of um, getting to have choice and still making that decision for yourself in regards to the whole suicide thing because then at the end we have these people who are given the ability to volunteer to be sacrifices um, for the, the the culture as well and so it looks like they they um, look at death as very much um, not the end you know it is actually something that that is a blessing and an honor in their culture so to them they may not have been punishing these people we they never really get into that you know and, and what the reason for these sacrifices are or how these people are received 
Um, obviously, to some degree, they have some importance. She was made May Queen. He was allowed to come in and actually try to procreate with one of their daughters, so to speak. So um, it, it's kind of hard to say, you know, whether they think being put to death or choosing to die is a bad thing. Like, from their perspective, culturally, it absolutely wasn't. I don't think so, anyway. It didn't seem to be portrayed that way. So, yeah, definitely. Um, and And, I mean... That's that's what makes the movie great, actually, is that ambiguity. Like, it's you can two different people can look at it and see it two different ways. However, I don't see it in a different way. I I agree with you one hundred percent. But I do see like kind of how it can be perceived in other ways as well. Um, it's just I don't know. It's very multi layered. Um, I just feel like if I was if I saw something like that, like I think I would be scarred for life. Um. It's uh, like you think about September 11th, bringing that back in, like people, you know, jumping out of the buildings and stuff. And people like were traumatized by seeing that happen. Like it's it's really. And the reason for that is empathy, you know, like it's it's because like like you imagine not the impact, you imagine the second or two before the impact. You know what I mean? And it's like. Wow, that's really heavy. Um, and we try to keep this podcast a little lighthearted. It's getting a little heavy. But, Nick, <laughs> I actually cut you out, my friend. Please uh, finish your thought. I'm sorry. No, I think I think we went into a pretty good tangent there. I don't think it was I – mean, it, was, it was right along the line. I don't think we went too far out or too far back in. I, I would recommend it. I think you have to go in with an open mind. Um, and I, I do believe that it is worth a watch. And I, I – as a, 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 a white American male, I have my perspective on it. And more to that, um, a, a Christian who is about to try and go to RCIA, become Catholic under, I like this Pope. Um, but so that's another perspective that I bring as well. Um, so like, I mean, no, man, I, I could go on about you know, suicide and stuff and, uh, the views I have on that. But, um, I think I just have a different perspective and I think every single person is going to have a different perspective. I don't think any one person is get to get the same thing. I think I watched a, I watched a wisecrack video on it and I was like, I don't fully quite agree with everything you're saying, but all right. <laughs> that works. Elizabeth, uh, do you recommend it? Did you like it? All that other fun stuff, my friend. I do like it. I mean, I've watched it a few times now, and I recommend it to people um, when they want a psychological head fuck, right? Because that's really what it is. It is not your slasher flick. It is not the saw kind of head fuck that you would get. You know, it's not that along those lines. It is something that takes deep thought to really watch and not um, expect something else like if you want a slasher like this is not for you if you want something that is going to be action-packed and full of gore and hot chicks running upstairs that is not it's not for you but if you want something that's going to challenge the way you think about things going to challenge some of your own internal dialogue um and if you want something that's going to be a visual masterpiece i highly recommend it so my favorite scenes in the movie are like the maypole dance i think they did a beautiful job with the aerial shots of that um one of the things we didn't bring up and i think it was one of the most beautiful parts of the whole movie was the blood eagle scene where we see the guy and he's got the flowers draped around him and he's got his lungs stretched 
stretched out behind him and then we see that his lungs are still respirating and you're like wow and it really messes with you but at the same mm-hmm. time it was done poetically it's so beautiful right the flowers sticking out of his eyes it was gorgeous and, and it was cinematic genius um jordan peele had an amazing quote on it that i sent to you i think earlier or i might not have um, but it was talking about how it was one of the most like atrociously beautiful or gruesome. I can't remember exactly what he said. Um, disturbingly gruesome. I'm going to find it right now. Jordan Peele, director of Us and Get Out, declaring in Fangoria interview that Midsommar has some of the most atrociously disturbing imagery I've ever seen on film. And if you've seen any of Jordan Peele's movies, like, he has some amazing cinematography himself, like, in his movies. And, like, coming from him, that really says a lot. It was just so, so good. And then the dress and all of the different exaggerations of costume and stuff like that. Um, They just did a great job. If you want something that's artful and tasteful i think so one thing if we want to go back to the light-hearted part i will say the reason why it was really hard for me to take the movie seriously by the end of it is that the point where they're putting christian in the bear all i can think of is that episode of south park where paris hilton tries to adopt butters and she dresses him up in the little teddy bear costume and like takes her around with him and that's all i can see is like christian looks like little butters to me as he's like being devoured by the flames which it it ruined it honestly all of the seriousness of the entire movie and that is the imagery that i was left with so but yes Yes, i I recommend what you were saying um (laughs) good times um did you uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you changed the game i picked um, that up i saw that no it was such a good episode so i do know <laughs> yes, what you are saying i still say that to tatiana sometimes like she'll say something i'm like yes i do know what you're saying <laughs> no i'm saying um so uh so as far as my thoughts i actually do want to say that uh according to wikipedia um it was actually marketed uh it was actually taken to ari aster uh, initially as a slasher film and he uh and he changed it um, but that was the original idea behind it was a slasher film. So that's fun. Um, and I'm glad they, I'm glad that he had the good sense not to, cause slasher films are good. Like, don't get me wrong, but they're not, they're not, uh, they're not art really. I mean, they're art in their own way. You know what I mean? Like there's like really cool stuff in slasher films, but it's just, this movie is fucking art. Like it really is. And so like, uh, so as far as if I would recommend it to people, I would. Um, and the reason is because if nothing else, one thing that we cannot convey on an audio podcast is um, just the set pieces and just how pretty it was. Um, the cinematography on it, and Elizabeth has alluded to it a few times during this podcast, uh, is just fabulous. Not only that, but I did some research afterwards and looked at some articles, and there was a lot of background stuff that, like, for example, when um, Danny is tripping, and we didn't even talk really but yeah. too much about the drugs, but they were tripping basically the whole movie. <laughs> um, when Danny walks into the bathroom and she looks in the mirror, she sees her sister uh, for like a split second. Her sister's in there with her. And then her sister pops out throughout the movie. And at the end, when she's crowned, um, her sister's actually in the crowd. Um, like she's she's in it the entire time. And um, that was an interesting question to me was whether the audience is supposed to be tripping with them basically this entire movie because there's like there's like a lot of visual elements that speak to that like um 
the May Queen crown with the breathing flowers and all that stuff. It's I don't know. It's it's a weird film. So visually, for no other reason, if um if you don't care about any of the plot, which I don't know why you wouldn't, uh, it's very fascinating. Um, just visually, the way it was set up is uh definitely worth taking a look at. Um, did you ever find beautiful. out what a those white film. fluffy cloud things were while you were reading? Because we were talking about that earlier, like all the blue netting, like weird stuff across the, the lawn. Yeah, yeah, and then there was like the little Oracle inbred kid that was like sitting on top of yeah. that like weird fluffy cloud thing, and like what was that? It was so strange. So I think you're right. Like to some degree, it is filmed in a way that's supposed to make the audience also feel like they are along for the trip ride, right? Like I do agree, but I want to know what that stuff was because it was like. It looked so cool, like you could poke it or like fluff it or blow it like bubbles. I don't know. It was so strange looking. It was. It was. It was very. Um, and Elizabeth actually pointed out too in our earlier conversation, and uh, it's worth saying that uh, that was actually to the detriment of the movie because everything was so realistic in the entire movie, and then you got this weird. Uh, you guys, when you go watch the movie, because I know if we recommend it, you're gonna go watch it, right? <laughs> right. Uh, um, it's just obvious. <laughs> Um, that part, like, that shit looks like cotton candy clouds, and it's, like, an unrealistic element in a movie that's been strictly, besides, like, some trip and ball stuff, it's been strictly realistic and very down-to-earth, so, um, you'll, you'll know it when you see it, um, and maybe somebody can tell us what that was all about, because I have no freaking clue. Um, and then, as far as did I like the movie... Um, I'm a snob and a weenie. I'm a I'm a snob weenie. And so um as a weenie I like the movie because it wasn't scary. Um Tatiana actually interestingly uh has uh n- doesn't really want to watch it and she um because uh she's a very she's uh she doesn't like body horror all that much. Um and so like from that aspect if you don't like body horror this movie but then again, I don't know. The way they present it is very pretty and interesting. Like it's, well, barring the old people who jump off the thing, that was just straight <laughs> yeah. up fucking body horror. Well, there's a lot of other um, triggers in there too for people but, uh, like, that may not be always appropriate. Like, cause there is this the sex scenes and and the like grieving and there there was a lot of really powerful moments that may not be for everybody if you have a, a history of trauma that might be triggered by some stuff like that. I would absolutely say maybe find a close friend to watch it with before you watch it. Absolutely. There's also full frontal malnudity. Yeah. Um, like, seriously, like, that dude had a half tank. Like, he just got done taking care of business, and he walks out, and he's got a half tank. Like, it was, uh, so that's there, too. So if that makes you uncomfortable, which I don't know why it would, um, if you're okay with seeing women, don't be a fucking hypocrite, um then uh you're good so uh do know that uh yeah there's a lot in the movie that it's it earns its r rating to be absolutely sure um as far as did i like it though yes i did i thought it was great um the reason i said i'm a snob earlier is because i i like movies and books and stuff that make me think um like they like they they uh require a little bit more thought than something like like my favorite movie is jurassic park but like the jurassic world movies like you don't walk out of them and think about it you're like oh cool dinosaurs that was great and you move on with your life i like stuff that makes me think and midsummer um definitely makes me think and i'll even tell you guys that uh i uh took a little power nap before recording this podcast because we're doing it very late 
and I actually had a nightmare about Midsummer oh. right before we started this podcast. It was really weird. Um, so, uh, and I didn't even find it scary, but it's just, it gets, it's like the Ari Aster movies are like brain bugs, man. They get stuck in the back of your head and you just, you can't fucking get rid of them. Um, so with that said, um, it's great. Go watch it. And, uh, and we, uh, this is, uh, that's kind of it. So, uh, do you guys have any, uh, shout outs before we get out of here and let Nick finally get some fucking sleep because he's gonna get up early? I mean, honestly, shout out to Nick for pulling it through. Like, this poor guy busted his ass all day doing work stuff and then came home and had to wait and finish the movie and then had to wait some more and then just killed it. So I'm like, really, good job, Nick. You, you kick ass, bro. <laughs> Thanks. Agreed 100%. It was actually not sure that he was going to be on the cast um, up until seriously like 20 minutes before we started recording. Yeah. He's like, okay, I can be there. Well, no, it was a little bit before because you watched the movie. Yeah. Still. It, was, it, was, it, it was a ride. It was a ride. It was, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I don't... Shout out, Snake. Um, mostly just, uh, just the audience. I don't have a whole lot going on outside of this um <clears throat> kind of putting all the other projects aside just to really focus on uh mm and you know doing my work because i can't really stop paying the bills so i gotta do work but really i was like i gotta get on this episode at least to say hi i don't, I don't want to be out of too many episodes because then they'll just replace me <laughs> but no um yeah i'll do whatever i can no i'll do whatever i can to make it on an episode so Thanks to all of the audience members. Thanks to uh, to Elizabeth and Pope for uh, being on this journey with me as I get progressively crazier as the episodes go later and earlier and earlier into the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a podcast called Macabre Masters. Like, when else are you gonna do it? You guys got to be dark outside, okay? Like, that's the only way to do it. Well, and it's um, a full moon so, tonight too. So uh, don't my forget I was going to say, yeah, it's a see, full moon tonight, too. Like, it's bad the full moon, moon. Indeed, indeed. And then it's Easter or Ostara, you know, depending on what it is you celebrate. So there's a whole lot going on. I celebrate chocolate rabbits <laughs> that are hollow. And, and I poop. eat the ears first to torture them. That poop like Cadbury. Oh, uh, yeah. Those are really <laughs> good, though. Good. I like those a lot. Um, so my shout-outs, uh, I, uh, I, I actually only have, uh, I have two, actually. Nick for doing The Dude. Um, doing the dude, despite the fact that, uh, despite the fact that it was actually at extreme personal sacrifice for him. So that's wonderful. Thank you, Nick. And then to our newest member, the macabre pimpstress, uh, welcome to the crew. What a great episode to start on officially. So, um, that's, uh, that's great. So, uh, guys, thank you for listening to this episode of macabre masters. If you want to help Nick pay the bills, you should probably like fucking subscribe and tell all your friends uh to subscribe to subscribe to tell them if they don't subscribe that you're gonna like fucking like pull their lungs out of the back and like put flowers in their eyes and sacrifice them to unnamed swedish gods i'm sure that'll make you more popular uh, i mean that's what i do how do you think i got elizabeth on this podcast in the first place i was making threats um <laughs> He's not wrong. He really was, though. All right, so, ladies and... (laughs) Hey, blink five times. This is audio, but blink five times if if you need help. Um, So, with that said, uh, ladies and gentlemen... (laughs) That was so fucking stupid. Okay. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode of Macabre Masters. I have been Pope. 
Original Nick and Elizabeth are here as well, and we hope you have a wonderful Easter. You will hear this probably after Easter, but we hope you have a wonderful Easter, and uh, we'll see you on the next episode of Macabre Masters. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's it.